right. Good morning. Good morning. How many of you glad to be in church today, man? Amen. So good to see all of you today. Um, also, we've been doing something new, and that is uh, in, in your guide, there is a QR code that you can scan to take you right to our notes in version. You can also scan the screen that's up right now and follow along on, on the notes. Uh, several hundred of you did this last weekend, so apparently you liked it. So we're going to work out the bu- uh, just a few bugs with it, and um, I hope you, you enjoy that. This week, I'm going to start a new series called Dangerous Prayers. Dangerous Prayers. And I'm going to run this through the month of October. And these are going to be prayers that we find intimidating, um, prayers that uh, we find some discomfort in. And there's reasons for that, okay? And so we're going to hopefully, over the next four to five weekends, talk about some of these things that prohibit us from going all in with our prayer life and our relationship with God. So I want to just uh, talk a little bit about the intimidation factor. And we come by this honestly, okay? We, there, there are definitely some dangerous prayers out there. Um, this one I'm about to, to give you um, is certainly a dangerous prayer, and it was written circa 1711, and um, you've all heard it, but this, this is how it, it, this prayer goes. Now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And then, and then there should be like a record scratch right, right here, like, like, we should stop praying it. And he says, um, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then, but uh, a lot of you don't realize, there's a second verse to this. Okay, and here it is. This, this is so, this, this is all, all true. I'm not making this up. Second verse. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, bless the bed that I lie on. There are four corners to this bed, four angels around my head, one to watch and one to pray, and two to take my soul away. Good night, children. See you in the morning. Maybe. Okay, right? It's just kind of weird. Um... We, we got some intimidating things going on, okay? If you're praying this over your kids, knock it off, okay? But there is a verse that I want to take us through this morning, and it's found in one of the greatest psalms ever to be, be written, and that's Psalm 139. It's so great and grand. We, we could spend weeks talking about the depth uh, that is in this one psalm, but today... The dangerous prayer that we're going to talk about is this, search me, search me, right? So Psalm 139.23, I want to read this from two different translations, but the first one is the NIV, and this this is how it, it, it reads, search me, God, and know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. And then I want to read it to you from the CEV, same same verse. It says, look deep into my heart, God, and find out everything I am thinking. All right? So when we read this, 
oftentimes we may even just kind of glance over it. We, we know it's there. We know it's good. We know it's necessary. But to pause, to give it some time, to meditate on it, um, is something that we kind of all may struggle with from time to time because it's a dangerous prayer. It's intimidating. Search me. Know me. Know my thoughts. Know the depth of my heart. This is what David is proclaiming here. And I think we find this prayer intimidating merely because it's exposing. It's laying bare our most private matters. We're inviting the presence of God to look at all of it. To look at every thought to look at every, every page, to open up every closet, to look at everything inside of us as, as if to say, there is nothing in me that you do not have access to. Now, I want you to think about this. Some of you might be really good at, at this, and some of you might be doing poorly at this. To just have this complete open relationship with the Father that says, there are no fences in my life. There's, there's no door that you can't access. There's nothing that you can't uh, come in and change and talk to me about. Search me. Now, here's a biblical principle that I think we have to start on a topic like, like this, and it's important that, that we get it, and you know what it is, but it's just important that, that we hear it again, and that is uh, we, by nature, hide. And we always have. We, we've always been a, a, a people, a, a, a creature, a part of creation that has in us this desire to go, I didn't do it right. I need to find something to get under. I, I, need, I need a rock to get under. I need, I need a tree to get behind. I need, I need somewhere to go and and isolate. I mean, we're barely into the third chapter of Genesis when Adam and Eve are found hiding. I mean, the story is barely getting started, and our two main characters are already trying to hide from God. For Gideon, it was a wine press, and for David, it was a cave, and for Elijah, it was the brook Cherith. There are approximately 35 verses in Scripture that are specific to people hiding. So all of them, all 35 of them, are based off the same thing, and it's this, fear. I, I'm, I'm scared that if you really saw me, if, if you really knew me, if you really knew my thoughts and what I was up to and the agenda, if you really knew what I did, like if I really told you the reason I did it and how my thought process played out and, and I, I showed you that, you would probably hate me. These, these are things that are very real to us. So we've come up with all kinds of mechanisms to, to fraudulently present ourselves, not only to each other, but to the Father. And in many cases, we've even lied to ourselves. All because we're afraid to face the truth of our existence, of our story. And so there is a lot here that's based upon fear. There's a lot of motivating things in our hiding. There's a lot of fear that keeps us from going, search me and know me. It's an intimidating prayer. You know why we're afraid to see our, our doctor? Number one, we're, we're afraid of this gown. 
Okay, that that that's the number one reason. I mean, you don't know whether to put it on front or back. You you don't you don't know. You know, you're like, if I had pants on, I'd wear this thing like a bathrobe, but I don't. So I don't know what to do here. The second reason you don't like seeing your doctor is because everything is either cold or sharp, right? I mean, can I get an amen? I mean, you'd think it's 2019 that the technology would be present to warm some stuff up, right? But the third and, and, and major thing as to why we don't like seeing our doctors because we're afraid of what they might find. And we, we would rather not know than to know and go through the process of dealing with what's been found out. I would rather just not know. Like, I, I have more peace about going. I'm going to avoid the whole process of, 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 of a checkup because I don't want to know what's going on. And I think a lot of times we take that same fear and we bring it or drag it into our spiritual lives. And we look at God and, and we kind of just, we do our thing. We do church. We do, we do life group even. We do a lot of stuff. We serve well. But in the end, we go, I, I really don't want to know. Like, I don't want to know what you really think about it. I don't want to know what really happened there. I don't know that I want to be searched and known. And so we refrain from deep places with God. And so we always end up having this superficial relationship with our Savior where it's like we're thankful. You know, we talk about eternity or heaven or gratitude, but it's never like way down in there where change and transformation and renewal can take place because we really don't want to know what's down in there. And so one of the most healthy things that or un unhealthy things rather that we can do spiritually is to hide because hiding is the fertile soil for secrets and secrets are toxic. But when we hide we're creating this this fertile soil that just generates secrecy. And what this prayer in Psalm 139 does is it releases us from that toxicity. It takes it out of our lives. It lets us live a life without poison. It lets us live a life without remorse and regret. It is a cleansing. It is a purging of the deepest places in our lives, places where your doctor's hands can never go, places where words may never even go, only the deepest places where the presence of God can exist. And it releases those things that are in us, the deep things, the, 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 the hurtful things, the things we don't even want to talk to ourselves about. So when you pray for God to search you, listen, you are not informing God. You're not telling Him new information. You are confessing. And that's where the power lies. You're not shocking God. God's not saying, oh my goodness, I didn't see this coming. No, but you are confessing it. I did it. I thought it. This is part of my life. It's part of my story. And this is why I want you to search me. This is why I want you to know me. Because we're not, we're not surprising him. We're confessing. We're getting involved in the, the truth of it. And the reason I say confessing and not informing is because God, in theological terms, is omniscient. This means that He knows everything. There are no secrets, listen, between you and God, even when you don't confess it. He knows it. He knows you. 
He knows all about you. There is no secret from God in this place this morning. The only difference are those of us who are willing to pray an intimidating prayer and go search me and know me, and those that are like, I know it's there and I know you know it, but I don't want to talk about it. Those are the two groups that exist this morning. Let let me remind you of these couple of scriptures. Psalm 44, 21. Would not God find this out, he says, for he knows the secrets of the heart. Hebrews 4.13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. 1 John 3.20, if our heart condemns us, I, I, I just love this, our God is greater than our heart. Come on, y'all. If the heart condemns us, our God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. He already knows it. The power in this principle I'm teaching this morning is our involvement. It's our confession of it. Search me. Know me. See, when we let secrets take residence in us, several things happen. We're tempted to lie about specific areas. We look at certain things, and we go, i I, I got to come up with a, with a story because this is bad. And people are going to think different of me if they know the, the, the truth in here. And so what i got to do is every single time in my life when this comes up, I've got to tell the story, and it better be similar because it's going to be a lifetime. The second thing is that leads us to avoid certain topics and time frames. We can only talk about certain things, but if the conversation leads us to this, whoa, we got to slip out of the room. Suddenly the elephant appears and we got we got to get out. We 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 got to we got to pull the we got to jump out and pull the parachute. We we got to get out of this conversation. And we start to avoid certain topics and time frames in our life. We're skipping 2 and 3 years, 5 years, 10 years of time. Because we have a secret there. And the third big re- revealing thing about that is we get anxious about telling our story. So for some of you, life group is intimidating to you because you're afraid it might come right up to you and someone want to know about you. Talk to me. How did you guys meet? What, what's going on? How long have y'all been, been married? Tell me about your life. Tell me about your salvation experience. Uh, I don't want to talk about any of that. Let's focus on the Razorbacks, right? That's worse than my story. Talk about that. And so the, these are things that when secrets take residence, there's this avoidance. There's this, there, it's, it's, life becomes kind of anxiety-filled because we don't want to talk about these. We're dodging. We're always look, looking to try to find this way around this topic or that topic. And we all know that secrets are not healthy, but we allow them for several reasons. We allow them because we're embarrassed. You know, part of that comes with ownership of us saying, I did it, and I can't believe that I did it. But listen, let's just normalize this. This is every person in this room. In some place in your life, you did something dumb. And you don't want to tell anybody about it. 
And so we have shame and guilt, and we allow secrets because of shame, because of guilt. It feels terrible. I am shamed because of what I've done. I am guilty because of what I've done. This is exactly what drove Adam and Eve to just run off. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I fell for this. I can't believe that out of, out of the two voices in this garden, other than us, we fell for the one that wasn't God. Shame, guilt. And these things come with two big fears. Fears of rejection, like because I know, I don't even want, I don't even want you around anymore. I don't love you anymore. I don't want to be your friend anymore. I don't want you around in my circle anymore. This, this rejection or the fear of punishment. Because you did it, therefore, this is going to happen. These are, these are things that we, these are reasons why we allow secrets to take place. This is why we say, I don't want to be searched. And I don't want to be known. Because there's things in here that don't feel good and I'm embarrassed, and I got some guilt, and I got some shame, and if I'm being really honest, I'm fearful of being punished, and I'm fearful of being rejected. These are all very, very big, big things. And so today, I, I want to take the rest of my time, and I want to talk about some level of secrets and why this is so important that David taught us this. This is such a powerful prayer to come down to the point of saying, God, I want to be searched, and I want to be known, okay? The first, the first group of secrets I want to talk about is traumatic secrets. And traumatic secrets are secrets that have sense sensitivity to them. And I, too, want to be very, very sensitive as I talk about this this morning. I'm only going to spend just a few minutes here. But there, there are, are secrets we carry because of trauma. Things like rape, molestation, abuse, abortion, suicidal thoughts. These are things that we carry, and they have trauma with them. So it's not like you're just going to go have coffee with somebody and just bring this up. So what, what you do, you harbor it. You, you create a place in your life for it, and we nurture it. And we do our best to just keep it at, 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 at bay. We, we don't want to feel it anymore. We don't want to work through the process of dealing with those emotions. We don't want to deal with that hurt. We don't want to deal with that pain. We don't want to deal with the fact that we were a victim. We don't want to deal with those things, and they're traumatic, and they come with great sensitivity. But Psalm 34, and I want to encourage you today, if you're in this room and any of this hits you in your chest, I want to remind you of Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And watch this. And saves those who are crushed in spirit. The word crushed here means to the point of granules. Like sand sifting through your fingertips. This is what this word means. He's saying, you may have your entire life may have come down to granules that can barely be held, but I'm going to save you from it. I am close to the brokenhearted. And if you're here today and you have a traumatic secret, God is on your side. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted. And he binds up their wounds. 
The point here is that God cares. He cares about your story. He cares what happened. He cares how you feel about it. He cares how it affects you. He cares how it affects your marriage. He cares how it affects how you're now parenting your children. He will heal you. And He will bind up this wound in you. Dramatic secret. The next one is tough too. Social secret. Social secrets are those that come with shame. These are things like affairs, online flirting, sexting, pornography, things that are socially engaging. Somehow there's a trap being set and you fell in it. And you've you've ran it through your mind a thousand times and you don't really know all the details. You don't know how it happened, but it happened. And now you find yourself wanting to come clean before the Lord, but now you got the shame, and now you've got the guilt, and you're just like, I know the cross happened, but somehow the enemy told you that the cross was just for good people. And, and, and you've made this decision to bear the weight of this thing by yourself. So every day you get out your metaphorical hammer and you hit yourself over and over and over again. Why? Because you think you deserve it. And so these social secrets come with stuff, and they are dangerous. And I'm going to give you three examples. I don't want to spend my time on this, but I want you to be able to look at it later if you so choose. But in Genesis 34, there's, this, there's these people named Shechem and Dinah. And Dinah is, is one of the daughters of Israel. And the Bible says in, verse 30, in, in chapter 34 that she went out to see the daughters of the land, which means she went to hang out with her girlfriends. So she's going to just go see him, and, and this guy Shechem sees her, and he starts to talk to her, and the Bible says he's very kind to her, and then he rapes her. And so this, this lust goes from lust to rape, and then her brothers kill him. So it goes, it goes from lust to rape to death. And when you look at David and Bathsheba, this story of the king who could have anything he wanted, the prophet Nathan even told him, you're the one who did it. It goes from lust to adultery to deception to murder. The guy who God says, you're after my own heart. You're killing me here. 2 Samuel 13, Amnon and Tamar. This is one of David's sons and one of David's daughters. And Amnon is just lusting after her. And you got to read the whole story to find out what, what all happens, but basically it too goes from lust to deception to rape to hatred to death. The Bible says that he hated her more than he ever loved her. It's this, it's this terrible downward spiral of letting something in our lives and get a hold of us and play out in this reality, and it, and it comes with rep, repercussion. And if this is you in any form today, listen, you don't have to just sit and bear it and hit yourself over the head with this hammer. There are... Things that we can come to the Lord and say, search me, know me. When David was praying his prayer of repentance over Bathsheba, he said, purge me with hyssop, which was like soap. 
He said, I, I want you to come into my soul with soap and wash me, and I will be clean. That's what he said. The same applies for us today. Same thing. Then there are psychological secrets, and these secrets come with suffering because we tend to do them again by ourselves. For some of you today, you have untreated mental illness. You don't want to talk to anybody about your terrible anxiety, your depression, things that are happening to you mentally, psychological warfare, a battlefield of the mind. And so you, you do your best. Maybe you, you, you try to instigate things that, that, that help you. Can I just be honest today? I mean, can I just be honest? I mean, we're self-medicating. I mean, too much alcohol to come against you. I got to be able to sleep, Kevin. I got to be able to sleep. So we're we're just hunting and and trying to find the thing that will take care of, of this psychological secret. Things like substance abuse. It comes down to even things like, I have done something terrible and I have never told anybody. Oftentimes, and those of you who know me know that I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a therapist and so I, I hear things a, a, a lot of people just for the first time say, I've, I've, never, I've never told that to anybody. And you see this change in their physical countenance. Like one of, of peace for the first time in a long time. Why? Because it's a biblical principle, the power of confession. It happened. I did it. I own it. This was David's heart on this. Search me. Know me. See, when Joshua kept a secret, a psychological secret, he knew that when they went to take Jericho and Ai, and he saw something that he wanted, so he took it and he put it in his tent, and it came right down to it. The Lord neared it right down to his house. And they're like, why did you do this? Because he wanted it. So it went from him deceiving to death. He and his whole family. In Matthew 27, Judas comes to this place where he realizes, what have I done? I've done something terrible. Even tries to take, take the silver and give it back in some bizarre act to try and reverse what had been done. And again, deception that ended in death. Spiritually, this is so accurate when we deceive ourselves and deceive ourselves and deceive ourselves and deceive others. And you may be drawing breath in and out. Your heart may still be beating and pushing blood through your body, but something in you is dead. This is what secrets do when we withhold it from God when we withhold it from people who we love, when we stop the power of of confession. The Bible even tells us, confess your faults one to the other that you may be healed. He's not talking about leprosy here. He's talking about the deepest places in your life suddenly (gasps) coming back to life. 
healed. But we justify our secrets. We say things to ourselves in these terrible ways like, listen, what I think doesn't matter as long as I don't act on it. As long as I don't do it, right? I mean, my mind, I, I can think whatever I, I want to. This is not, what happens up here is not reality. What I think about is, is me. I can think about whatever I want as long as I don't act on it. Or we say things like, I deserve to be happy. Or, I deserve better. And these thoughts take such root in us, they drive us to action. They push our lives into dark corners and secret places. And again, the fertile soil develops. And before we know it, we're loaded with toxicity. And we try to lift our hands, but we don't feel anything. And we try to pray, and we try to sing, and we try to serve on top of it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to serve this thing out. I'm going to give this thing out. Listen, there's not a check that you could write us today to remedy this. you got to go to God. Search me. Know me. See, firsthand secrets are often the result of unchecked wants. We want something and we want it, and we want it more, then we want it more, then we want it more, and more, and more, and more, and more, until it gets to the place where we we, we got to have it. See, when you let your wants win, you may have gained something, but you've also gained a secret. Achan wanted gold. He gained it, but he also gained a secret. Judas wanted the silver. Maybe it changed his life to have that that money. We don't know what was going on. And he got it. But he also gained a life of deception. So Kevin, what do I do? What do I do? I got thoughts, I got motives, I got actions, I got a past, and they are not godly. Okay? So let me break this down. I got five minutes. Matthew 22, 37 reminds us, Jesus taught us this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Everything you have. Okay, I'm going to teach these in reverse order. But So the first one is this. Okay, These are really simple. I didn't mean for these to be comical, but they, some of them kind of came out this way. The first one is stop it. And this deals with your mind. Okay, Some of you have fallen into this trap. Hear me. I'm telling you this because I, 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 I love you, not because I want you to leave today feeling beat up. Part of your relationship with God is 100% on you. There are things in your life that you have to control. And so you've got to get it in your being that there are some things you have to stop. Stop it. All right, let me give you some word. This is Paul. It's very strong to the church at Corinth. 
But he says in verse 15, keep in mind he's just finished teaching about spiritual gifts and the importance in our lives. And he says this in chapter 15, verse 34, come back to your senses and stop sinning. It's not, it's not really soft, is it? Okay, that's not a New York Times bestseller. Stop sinning by the Apostle Paul flying off the shelves. Okay, no. There are things we got to do here, right? We got to come back to our senses and go, listen, right is right and wrong is wrong. And there's some things in my life that I'm doing that I got to just knock it off. Come back and stop sinning. The second thing is this, do it. This is a matter of our soul. Your soul gets involved. It is the part of our lives that, that nothing can touch except the Father. See, when you're in church and hot tears start to roll down your face, it's because your soul is moved. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, watch this. He says, we, everybody say we, demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's a fancy way of saying everything that pretends that it's better than, than, than God. Okay, he said, we're going to demolish everything that pretends to be smarter than God. And we, everybody say we, take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. So stop sinning and then do it. Get your soul involved where you say, I'm not going to think this way. I'm going to take that thought and I'm going to hold it captive. It is not going to run its way through my life. It is not going to run a course. It is not going to get me off task. It is not going to derail me for months and months and months and months. I am going to hold this thing captive and it will obey unto Christ. Okay, so stop it, do it. And the third one, move it, okay? Turn to somebody and say, I like to move it, move it. I, I couldn't resist. Just, just tell them, I like to move it. I like to move it. This is a heart issue, okay? There it is, heart, soul, and mind. Okay, stop it, your mind, do it, your soul, move it, your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Philippians 3, okay, pay attention. I'm going to land this really fast. Philippians 3, let's look at this together. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. But one thing I do, okay, let's read this all together, the rest of this verse, okay? Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If there's one thing I'm going to do, I'm not going to sit in this cesspool of things I've done and harbored and kept secret. You got to move on. So stop sinning, take those thoughts, bring them captive, and then move on. Paul said, I'm not perfect. I don't pretend to be. But the one thing I'm going to do is I'm going get, to get to moving. I don't have time to camp out in this mess. See, if you think you failed at something, guess what? You have. I have. Many, many, many times. 
But we have to learn that failure is imminent. It is part of our process, and we have to train ourselves to fail forward. To not just stop and camp, but to fail forward. Okay, so let me end with this this prayer, and then we're going to pray and serve communion. There's a quick prayer that I just want to give you, and I want you to pray this all week long. Okay, I want to challenge you that. Pray this all week long. And I just gave you four quick points here, and it's search, no shield, grow. Search, no shield, grow. And what I mean by this is we come back to Psalm 139 and we say, God, search me. Okay, I give you permission. I give you permission to know all of it. This is just good old-fashioned, rubber-meets-the-road Christianity. Know me. All of it. I tell you all of it. I'm not holding back. Here's everything I have. And some of you have not made an altar with God in a long time and just got it out. Search. No, but watch this. Shield me from any guilt and shame in any way that the enemy wants to take this and turn it. Shield me from that. And then just grow me. Let me move forward. Let me not do it anymore. Okay? Scripture is full of Jesus saying, hey, go and sin no more. So let me me get a hold of these things in my life. I want to be free of secrets and toxicity and these things that keep me from you and separated from you. Man, when I lift my hands, I want to be in the presence of God. When I pray, I want to know that I'm heard. I I want to be searched and known and shielded and growing in Christ. So make this part of our mantra for the week. Okay, let me pray over you really quick. Why don't you bow your heads with me in this place?